Welcome to the podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and tune in. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. in English and 11.45 in Spanish. Also, Celebrate Recovery meets each Monday night at 6.30. Today, I, I want to begin uh, with a story. It's, it's not my story. It's, it's of two guys in 1984. 1984. Uh, th- their name were, were Brian Keen. <laughs> And James Wright, there's no reason you would have heard of them except they set out to do something extraordinary. Um, I think it's extraordinarily weird, but they felt like it was extraordinary. They wanted to set the Guinness Book of World Records for driving in reverse. Now, why do we need a record for that? I have no idea. But they, in 1984, set out, they wanted to set the Guinness Book of World Records for driving in reverse. Reverse, And so they set out in their Chevy Blazer, and they did it. They drove 9,031 miles in reverse. I don't know what that does to your odometer. It was interesting. And this is it. 37 days, they drove across 15 different states, and they still to this day, nobody's come trying to get it from them. They still to this day have the world record for driving in reverse. Now, I can't even ride backwards for like a, a second. Like if, I, if we're driving and I look back, if my kids ask me a question, I get car sick. So I have no idea for 9,000 miles how I would do it. I would be miserable. Um, but today we're starting a brand new series. So welcome. We're so glad you're here. It's called Regret prevention. Regret prevention. I wonder what you think about when you hear that word regret. Wonder today in your life, what is it? If you were to look back on your life, what what is your biggest regret? Well, here's the truth. When it comes to regrets in our lives, you know what most of us are trying to do? We're, We're trying to live our life in reverse, aren't we? When it comes to the regrets that we think about, that weigh us down, we're, we're trying to live our lives in reverse. We all have regrets. We all do. Uh, so some of us maybe more than others, but, but we all today, all of us, each and every one of us have regrets in our lives. We can think of those moments, right? Those, those shoulda, woulda, coulda moments. And this is what regrets do. They, they cause us to live in reverse because we think back, oh, I should have done that. Oh, if I could just go back, I would have done this. Oh, if I could turn back the clock, I could have done. That's, that's what regrets cause us to do, right? To try to live our lives in reverse. Stumbled upon this uh, video clip uh, this week of some people that set up a chalkboard in the middle of the city and asked anybody to come by and share what their biggest regret is. Take a look. I'm 
got loads of friends from different walks of life and it's really hard to keep in touch with everyone. Up until recently, I was homeless. If I hadn't hurt the people that I had, maybe I wouldn't have been. I wanted to do so many things, but I can never seem to find the time. I did all the things that were like plan B. I just never did it. <laughs> Regrets can be paralyzing, can't they? Sometimes those woulda, coulda, shoulda moments are our weight so heavy. We, we feel stuck. We can't take a step forward. But there's a principle here I want to look at this morning, and it's going to apply throughout our series. And I think every single one of us today, every single one of us, no matter what regret you may say you have, I think this principle applies to us. It's very, very obvious, but I think it's really important as we lay the foundation for this series. Um, Pastor, author, speaker John Ortberg says this, life, life always plays in a forward direction. It never goes backwards. Our lives right now are moving in one direction, a forward direction. Now listen, listen, we can learn from the past. We should. That's important. Study the past, learn. But we, we have to understand the truth that we can't move backwards, can we? That today, the truth is, we, we can only move forward in the forward direction. So we really have a choice. And here's our choice today. No matter where you are, here's our choice. We can fight this, like right here in this moment. And we can try as hard as we can to move back, to go back. I would have, I should have done that. I could, and we can, we can battle. Or, or, choice number two, we can live now. We can start today. Not ignoring the past, but, but deciding I can only move forward, so today I'm going to move forward with confidence, with trust. So, so here's my desire for us today, church. Ready? Today is the day. <laughs> now is the moment. That, over these next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about how to minimize regret. But before we do that, the question for us today is, what do I do with my regret? Because I believe today is the day not to live our lives in reverse anymore, not to be paralyzed by the things in our past, but instead to stand here at the door of right now and today and say, all right, God, I'm here. <laughs> Today's the day. I'm, I'm ready to take a step. Let's do it. Let's, let's do it together. Uh, we're going to talk about today this question, what do I do with my regrets? And, and really what we're going to do, we are going to look at one of the greatest regrets in human history. That's a bold statement, but it's true. 
We're going to look at the life of one person, one man in the Gospels, and his story, his story is one of profound regret. But in and through his story, we're going to see an answer to that question today. What do I do? What do I do with my regret? So turn with me uh, to the Gospel, Matthew chapter 26. We're going to look at three snapshots in the Gospels today. So if you're following along, we do have a version Bible event where it'll have it all laid out for you. But we're going to look at three snapshots from the life of Peter. Uh, a life with uh, a lot of good things, a lot of incredible things, but... but at least one specific instance of incredible regret. And so we're going to look at three snapshots together as we seek to answer this question. Matthew 26, starting in verse uh, 31, it says this. Now, Jesus told them, Jesus told them, his, his disciples here, he told them, this very night you will fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Interesting that we took part in Holy Communion today because that kind of brings us back to that moment before Jesus uh, gave his life on the cross. As he's preparing for that moment and as he meets with his disciples and he speaks these words about them being scattered. And after I've risen, I'll go ahead of you. And, And here comes Peter. He loves Jesus. He's been one of his disciples, one of his most intimate followers. And while Jesus has promised to rise, that's here in the text, isn't it? Peter can't get past this proclamation that all will fall away. Even you, Peter. And so in verse 33, Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. In other words, they might, Lord, all these losers around the table might, but not me, Jesus. I'm not going to. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if, he doubles down here, doesn't he? He already kind of said it, but now he says, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the disciples said the same thing. Here's our truth. Great regret often is accompanied by great expectations, isn't it? And the more intense our hopes and our expectations, sometimes the greater regret when we don't reach that goal that we set for ourselves. And look at the high expectations Peter had. It's right here. Even if I have to die, I will never disown you. So if you're familiar with Peter's story, many in the room are, watching online, you might be, you know exactly where this is going, but Peter's life gives us a schematic of how to understand regret and what we are to do with it. So now snapshot number two, snapshot one, Jesus, before he's crucified, right? He says, oh yeah, all will fall away. No, not me. Peter says, I won't, even if I have to die, I won't. Jesus, yeah, you're going to disown me three times. Snapshot number two, we're going to jump over to the gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke uh, really gives us a poignant um, moment here as we look at this next snapshot. And, and if you know the story, again, you know exactly the snapshot we're looking at. Now Jesus has been arrested. He's brought before the high priest and he's being accused and, and the road to the cross is becoming quite clear. So it says, verse 54 of Luke 22, it says, uh, they seized him, Jesus, and led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. And Peter followed at a distance. If I were writing my own editorial, I would say at a safe distance, right? Not too close, 
at a distance. Verse 55, then some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, and Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. He denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. Hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him. He is Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And get this in verse 61, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Now, stop for a minute and just imagine that look. A punch to the gut, right? I mean, you thought, yeah, some of you are married. You thought that look from your spouse was bad, right? You know that look. I'm talking about this, this is the, the look of all looks. Nothing else needs to be said in that moment, right? Have you ever been there in your life with your regret? The moment you realize when you recognize the choice you made, it feels like everything else is crashing. It feels like you've been punched in the gut that moment right there that we see Peter experiencing as Jesus looks right at him. Maybe for you, maybe for you it was a point in your past where you failed. Maybe for you it was something you said or something you didn't say. Maybe for you it was something you did or didn't do. Maybe. It was something you started and you never finished. Maybe the realization of people that you've hurt along the way, yet rather intentionally or unintentionally, but, but I think we've all had that moment maybe in our lives, that moment of regret, that moment of, oh, there it is. And this is that moment for Peter. Keep reading with me. Then Peter remembered, right? It hits him. As Jesus looks at him, he remembers The word the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. (laughs) He weeps bitterly. What a picture of regret. What a picture. If if I were to just show you a picture of regret, it's, it's right there in verse 62. Weeping bitterly. Can't get lower than that, right? Some of us have been there. And maybe, as we, as we talk about this question, what do I do with my regret? The challenge for some of us is we, we're still there, weeping bitterly, in regret or remorse or shame. And we can't get past it. The emotion and the pain, maybe we, we believe we deserve to be punished for whatever happened in our lives. Maybe we believe God would reject it, reject us. Surely others would reject us too. And because we can't go back, right? We're trying to live our life in reverse. But because we can't go back and change it, there's nothing left to do but just to weep bitterly. And that's maybe how some of us even feel today in this moment. But this series, this series is actually about helping us live our lives to avoid regret. Avoid regret. What do you do with the ones that you have? What do I do with the regret? And actually, the most important question is, what does Jesus do with them? Not just, what do I do with my regret, but what what does Jesus do with them? There's one more snapshot. There's one more snapshot we're going to look at today, and it's so important. It's so important because 
Now Jesus has been crucified and he's been resurrected, but there's, there's Peter. Last time we saw him, he was weeping bitterly as Jesus was led to the cross. But now there's, there's another snapshot. So John's gospel, one more time, Let, look with me. Starting in verse 1, if you're following the Gospels in order of your Bible, this is the final, the final chapter, the final anything of the Gospels. And so this is the last picture we're going to get in the Gospel story. And it begins, John 21, verse 1, afterward. And again, don't lose, don't lose sight of the importance of that word. Afterward, after what? Well, it seems like a small word, but it's saying after Jesus was raised from the dead. After he suffered and died on the cross, but he rose again on Easter, victorious, conquering death in the graves. That's a pretty exciting word, afterward. So don't lose that, right? Afterward. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way that Simon, Peter, and Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Peter told them. And they said, well, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. What else are you going to do? What else are you going to do when your whole life is in shambles, but do the thing you know to do? Let's go fishing. And to add insult to injury, they don't catch a thing, right? Now, verse 4, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out, friends, haven't you got any fish? No, they answered. We said, throw your net on the right side of your boat and you'll find some. Now, there had to be a little bit of eye rolling here. Here's the professional fishermen out at night, haven't caught anything, guy at the shore. Throw it on the other side, you know. Okay, yeah, sure, right? <laughs> so, he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, you'll find some. And they did. They were unable to haul in the net. Such a large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. Stop right here for a minute. Stop. Again, beautiful story. But do you remember the last time we saw Peter? Remember the last snapshot of Peter? He was weeping bitterly, right? And imagine, imagine how that regret only grew Right? He was weeping bitterly, but now, as Jesus is nailed to, his, to the cross, how did, how did that regret feel? As Jesus was in the ground, not one day, not two days, how did that regret feel? It, it had to grow and grow and grow. And yes, maybe even as Jesus was resurrected from the dead, I think still that regret had to be beating him up inside and out as he replayed over and over the decisions. Imagine what Peter's thinking about himself. I'm a failure. You ever been there in your regret? I deserve to be rejected. I deserve pain and punishment because of what I've done. You ever, you ever been there? Imagine what Peter is thinking about Jesus. Jesus resurrected. And imagine what Peter's thinking about Jesus. Oh, he would never forgive me. How could he after what I did? How, how could he ever love me? again. But with all of that, Peter's posture tells us something really important in this story, doesn't it? He goes from denying, right? We see him deny and then weeping bitterly, but now, but now he goes from denying Jesus to what? Pursuing him. 
pursuing them. Remember the question, what do I do with my regret? And here we see it. Even in the midst of the pain of his regret, Peter immediately pursues Jesus. It's right there in the story. As soon as he hears, it's the Lord, he puts his garment on and he jumps in, right? He's running after him. He's stumbling and splashing and and whatever it looks like. I don't think it's pretty, like, you know, I I think he's just getting after you. I got to get to Jesus. I got to go. It's the Lord and I've got to get to him. But too often in our regrets, we run from him, don't we? We talk about this so many times. In the Garden of Eden, when sin shows up, what is the posture? What is the reaction that Adam has to sin, to disobedience? He hides. He runs from God. God's walking around in the cool of the garden. Hey, Adam, where you at? He's hiding. So many times, isn't that our posture when it comes to regret? We we run from God. We run from him. But but what do we do with our regret? We don't run from him. We run to him. And for all that Peter got wrong, we see here in a final picture, one thing that he got very right in his regret, run to him. Let's finish the story. Verse 8, the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. And there were fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Isn't that kind of, he's kind of rubbing it in there. Like, it's really my, I, I caught them for you. But yeah, why don't you bring them over, right? The fish you just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was filled with large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was uh, not torn. Jesus said, come, come and have breakfast. Now, if you're a breakfast person, this might be kind of a spiritual thing to you, you know? You, but, but listen, listen, what do I do with my regret? Question, what does Jesus do with them? No rebuke for Peter, no scolding. No, let me tell you something, Peter. Before you sit down and eat, let me tell you, I was right, you were wrong, blah, 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 blah. No, just come, let's eat, let's have some breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. So Jesus came. He took the bread. He gave it to them. He did so with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. If you're in your copy of Scripture today, the next next place in Scripture, at the very end of the Gospels, it's this heading that says, Jesus reinstates Peter. Jesus reinstates Peter, where the Lord is now going to commission Peter. And if you know the rest of the story, you know, hey, Pentecost is coming, hallelujah. And then Peter, he's going to go on to be one of the greatest apostles the history of the church has ever known. The very last word in the Gospels is a word of redemption. Redemption from regret. The last thing the Gospels has to say is that he will redeem you, even from the deepest regret. See, over these next couple weeks, we really do, I I believe we have an opportunity to minimize future regrets. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome? I I know we're all there today where we're we're thinking back about our regrets from the past, but wouldn't it be cool, no matter where you are in your life, if you could say, man, from from this point forward, with the help of the Lord, I'm going to minimize future regrets. I can't, I can't live in reverse. I can't go back, but but, man, starting right now, I'm just here to say, with the Lord's help, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to minimize future regrets. I, I, believe, I believe there's power in that. But, but today, 
today, I want you to hear this bottom line is when you regret, there is only one place to run. Some of us have been running from him far too long. I'm going to close with the last little bit of time that we have together with a really powerful visual. So I've got some friends that are going to come and help me uh, move some things around here on the stage. Uh, As I was uh, reflecting a little bit on the end of John chapter 21, and I was thinking back to just this beautiful image of Jesus, okay, come and have breakfast. There's a visual that stood out to me, and so I want to share it with you this morning. And and it moved me so much. I was sitting in a coffee shop. Uh, Sometimes I have to hide from people when I'm writing my messages, so I'm kind of hiding a little bit. And so as I was sitting there in the coffee shop, I was so moved that tears began streaming down my face. Now, I don't know if people looked at me and thought, that's some really good coffee, you know, but I, I was so moved in this moment that I was just thinking, man, this is such a powerful, powerful moment uh, that I wanted to share it with you today. So, so, so here's the scene, right? Here's the scene. Now, uh, next service, this will be really risky because people will be really hungry, you know? But, but here's the scene. Peter, in the midst of his regret, Peter, in the midst of all that he had done, he comes to Jesus and he doesn't get a talking to. He doesn't get, you know, Jesus says, hey, come, come and let's have breakfast. There's a visual. If you were here last week, we finished our series called Psalms for Now, and we finished with one of the most well-known psalms, well-known scriptures in all the Bible. And as I was here in John 21, I could not help but go back there in my mind. It's Psalm 23. You know it well, but there in the midst of Psalm 23, David paints a picture like this. He says, he sets a table for me. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And it's this visual of like a food, of a feast, of communion and fellowship. But here's what sometimes we think. And I got to tell you, during COVID, I've missed this. I I miss being able to gather with more people at the table because something cool happens here. It's not just about food. It's not just, there's communion and fellowship. And especially in in a Judean context, being at a table, that that meant commitment to one another. That meant doing life together. And so just sharing a meal was intimacy. And this is a beautiful picture, but I don't want you to miss the fullness of this picture because it is a cool picture, right? I'm here, Jesus over here, we're having breakfast, man. I don't know what would be on your breakfast table. Maybe not not grapes and cheese, but something would be at your breakfast table, right? Mom said don't talk with my mouth full, so hang on. So I don't know what would be, but this is beautiful, but I can't get out the picture of Psalm 23 from my mind. What does Psalm 23 says? It says, he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And we learned last week, that's not just any meal. That's not just like a potluck supper. It's a victory feast. Meaning, my Father in heaven invites me to come and sit with him, declaring victory. But here's the catch. The enemies are still all around me. Now that bothers some of us because we like the victory feast when the enemies are done. We want God to come in and beat all the enemies up. Hey, let's eat. But that's not the picture of Psalm 23, is it? The enemies are there. It says, it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. In other words, I see death around me. I see the valley around me. But he, even then, he prepares a table before me, even in the presence of my enemies are still there. They're still stalking around. They're still chomping at the bit. But even then, he says, hey, come on, come on. We're going to sit down. We're going to feast together. We're going to feast. We're going to have a a victory feast together, even in the presence of my enemies. Why do I bring that up in the context of John chapter 21? You know, Peter, experiencing incredible regret. And 
there's power in this moment that even in his regret, Jesus invites him to the table. Even when the enemy of regret, and it, it's, it, it's chirping in his ear, isn't it? Oh, Peter, you're worthless, man. What are you doing, Peter? You can't, you know, Jesus will never love you. You'll never be welcome in his presence again. You'll never be loved again. You're a failure. So the enemy, right? The enemy of regret is loud in his ear. But even while that's happening, what does Jesus say? Hey, come sit with me. Come, come, come be close to me. Let's have some breakfast, Peter. Yeah, yeah, that, that wasn't, you know, I see that in your past. Come on, I want to redeem that. I want to use you for my glory. Come, come and sit with me. Come, let, let's have some breakfast together. Even in the presence of my enemies, right? We have a God that says, come. And here's some truth at this table today because this is the visual I want you to see. There's some powerful truth happening at this table that today, in spite of your regrets, you're, you're welcome here at the table. We receive communion together today and that's always a powerful illustration of the table, that all are welcome at the table of our Lord and that's true, but there's some things happening at this table and as we close today, I wanna close with this. I want you to hear this today. First, what's true at this table? What's true at this table is that truth is present at this table. When we're in the presence of the living God, when we're in presence of Jesus, the one who gave himself for us, there's truth here at this table. Because you see, regret, when I'm dealing with regret, there's all kinds of lies and confusion that I'm believing about myself and about others. But when I'm welcome, when I'm invited to this table, when God says, hey, hey, I've prepared, come, come sit with me. I get to sit at the table and I get to hear, not, not what does everyone else think, not to what my emotions and my feelings, but I get to hear, God, what do you think? What do you think about me? You believe I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You, you've knit me together in your image. You have a plan and a purpose for my life. You see, truth is present here at this table. There's more here. It's beautiful. I believe grace is present at this table. When Peter is invited back into intimacy with God, it's, it's a beautiful extension of grace. Grace that he didn't deserve, didn't it? What did he deserve? He deserved an I told you so, and you get to walk in the back of the line of the disciples, and you're never going to, that's what he deserved, but, but that's not what he got, is it? He got breakfast with his Savior, because at this table, grace is present. At this table, redemption is present. Redemption, it don't matter what's in your past. It don't matter what's behind you. Jesus says, hey, come on, sit and have breakfast with me. Do you really believe today that he works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to your purpose? He says, come on, sit at the table. I've got truth for you. And I want to redeem whatever it is in your past. Finally, at this table, you know, it's hope is present. Hope. I don't know about your regrets. In my, they, don't, they don't feel really hope-filled. Hope my regrets feel hopeless. My regrets feel like I can't ever, I won't ever, but, but today is a new day and here at the table, hope is present because he's the redeemer. He, he wants you to sit and hear the truth for your life. He wants to extend grace, pour out his love and grace and compassion over you. He wants to redeem whatever it is from your past. And he says, hey man, I've got, I've got hope because today is the new day. Come, come sit with me. In the presence of my enemies, he prepares a table before me, even in the presence of my regrets. And so today, I, I want to invite you, don't, don't run from him. Run to him. Come on, come sit at the table. 
Come experience the truth that you desperately need. Come experience. Come experience the love and grace that only he can give you. Come. Come and experience redemption, that he can redeem whatever it is. And because of that, there's hope. There's hope today at the table for you. Would you bow your heads? I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. I want to pray today that you would find your place. Come to the table. There's a seat for you today. In spite of what you've done, in spite of the ways that you feel like you have failed today, your loving Father says, hey, come on, let's have some breakfast. Come sit with me. I want to speak some truth into your heart today. I want to give you grace, grace upon grace. Today, I want to redeem. Yeah, I see that thing in your past. I see it. It's not pretty. I want to redeem. I want to commission you with hope. Today, uh, some, some of us watching online, some of us in the room, we desperately need this moment because without it, we're, we're stuck in reverse. We keep looking back. We can't move forward. But today is a new day. And we're going to be bold enough to say, Jesus, I'm running to you. I'm not running from you. I'm running to you. So today, church, I, let's pray. Today, maybe you don't need this prayer. Would you pray for the person next to you? Would you pray for the person in front of you and behind you online? Pray for somebody else on the feed that desperately needs this prayer because I think some of us today are desperate, are desperate for hope in the midst of our regret. Jesus, thank you that all are welcome at your table. Thank you that you've prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And today, the enemy of our soul wants to keep us living in regret. He wants to keep us living in reverse. But today, you've prepared a table and you say, come on. It's a victory feast because the battle has been won. Victory is mine because of the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, because of the reality of Pentecost, his presence living in us, we can have victory today. So now I pray for the one person, the one person in the sound of my voice that desperately needs hope, the one person in the sound of my voice that has been so busy running from God, but today they receive and acknowledge that they're welcome at the table. For that one person, we as an entire church family pray today would be the day no turning back, no living in the past, no more woulda, shoulda, coulda. I, I won't do that anymore. I've learned from the past and I'm ready to move forward. I'm ready to be commissioned, redeemed for your glory, God. We believe you can do it and we believe you will do it. So Lord, hear us as we pray. We cry out to you and we love you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. There's good news in the room today. There's good news in the room today that you're not, you're not what your regret says that you are. Your regrets no longer have to define you. Why? There's truth at the table. He's got all kinds of truth he wants to say about who you are in Christ. Today, you're welcome at the table. 
I want you to leave today with this visual, with a seat for you, sitting across your Savior who loves you and gave himself for you. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.